episode of the Petite Polymath. This is your host, Britt Stone, and today we're going to talk about the book Heads of the Colored People, a series of short stories by Nafisa Thompson Spires. Get excited! Okay, so hello everyone, and uh, welcome to the show. Um, there's been a little bit of a gap between episodes because I was going to do another book review today, but it's a bit more history and therefore requires me to slow down and really methodically keep track of everything. Not as quick a read as something that's fictional, so you'll just have to uh, hold your horses until I get to that book. But in the meantime, um, I was recommended a series of short stories. Thanks, Mateo. It was amazing. I might have read it in just a day and a half. Um, by the author Nafisa Thompson Spires, who is a fellow Commodore for all my Vanderbilt listeners. She got her PhD at Vanderbilt um, in English, I believe. And uh, it's a wonderful collection of stories. Um, I was, it's like nothing I've ever read, actually, I don't think. Um, For me, what struck me was just how accessible and modern it was. And there's some major themes that come up that I think will resonate for particularly black people who are American and grew up maybe middle to upper middle class. Um, I've just, I mean, I just devoured it and saw myself in a couple of the characters. What I really enjoyed is that even though probably each short story could stand alone, there are some stories that are linked because you, you'll you hear about a kind of unimportant or at least um, secondary character in one short story who then in the next story will either be referred to or will be the protagonist. So it's kind of fun because you kind of get to meet the characters here and there throughout the series. Um, and it's just a smart way of tying everything together. And so the main themes uh, of the collection are ideas about hypervisibility um, as a black person, while also the idea of invisibility, which I'll dive into a little bit later, mental health issues, whether depression or um, self-harm, postpartum, um, the ideas of chronic illness, uh, even maybe potentially uh, the discrepancies or, or in inequity of the healthcare system, fetishism, uh, the token black or tokenism in majority culture, uh, foster care and child abuse, and police brutality. So those are kind of the things that stood out to me as themes throughout the story. And even ideas of the Great Migration, black Americans in the South versus black Americans on the West Coast uh, as well. So as for the ideas of hypervisibility and invisibility, uh, this, I thought, was done really well um, because, and actually she even says at a a part, I think maybe in an interview, she was recently interviewed the author, and I commiserated with her about this idea that as a kid, I hated reading black American fiction. I found it depressing and demoralizing and that it just seemed to wallow in like the most morose and, and sad aspects of what it meant to be black. 
and so I didn't want to read it. I didn't want to read Toni Morrison. I didn't want to read slave fiction. I didn't want to read about the civil rights movement and all of the inhumanities and insults that black people experienced. I wanted a character that I could see myself in. I wanted somebody who had something good happen to them and not something cruel or dehumanizing. And I just couldn't find uh, a more modern or what would be a better word, um, maybe contemporary um, character that I could connect with. I found those girls in other books, but they weren't written by black women largely um, or black authors in general. And so um, I had to read a lot of black fiction because my mom was worried that I was avoiding it for reasons that she felt were unhealthy. So she'd make me read, you know, um, some amount of black fiction in trade-off for reading young adult fiction and all the other classics that I wanted to read. Thank you, Mom. Now, of course, I appreciate that whole education, but at 12 and 13, I was not very happy about it. I'm excited now because there's more out there for young black children to read about where they can see themselves on the paper and actually relate to it. And I find that very empowering. Uh, and, you know, this idea of hypervisibility, you know, I was the only black kid in my classes because I took um, advanced placement and accelerated classes in high school. And prior to that, I went to a, a pretty much all-white private school in my town. And so you are either hyper-visible because you're the only person in the room, which means when you start talking about slavery or the Civil War, or you read Huckleberry Finn, that everyone awkwardly looks at you and asks you to be the spokesperson for a group of people of which you're only one person with one experience, or you're invisible in the exact same way, usually in a more social context, uh, you know, like when you go to high school dances and uh, no one asks you um, to dance or no one asks you to be their date to something because you're the only black person and that just doesn't happen and that's weird. Uh, and so you know, you're always towing this line between trying to be accepted and normal and also acknowledged as your own individual person. And, you know, adolescence is, is navigating that in general, but if you are othered in some way, it magnifies it. And so, uh, you know, there are a lot of things to unpack about that experience. And I think that, you know, even if you, you know, have a, a supportive family, um, when you're socialized in these places where you're the only person of something, you're always feeling like you don't fit in either world fully. Um, and, and that has its own um, angst associated with it. And so I thought the author did a really lovely job of unpacking that with some of the teenage characters in the story. Uh, she even talks about, you know, some of the, um, the fetishism that begins in adolescence um, of the othering of as girls go through puberty and the way their bodies change and that tethered with being black and then how, you know, boys interact with them, objectifying them or um, talking down to them or being demeaning and how to unpack what's racially motivated and what's also misogynistic. Um, and then the, the safe place at home, how to unpack those feelings 
with your parents or with your teachers and are they going to be acknowledged and addressed or do you just have to push it down because no one's paying attention? Um, there was a, a really interesting vignette about uh, a woman who dates in a pattern men that are uh, disabled, um, usually amputees, uh, whether from some injury as a child or if they went to war and returned um, and are now in wheelchairs. And these men are black, but they also cannot walk or they have lost a limb. And the theme is that these young men all say that their disability isn't the thing that makes them uh, nervous about navigating the world. It's their black manliness that does, uh, which, which I found to be very interesting. And even how they interact with this woman uh, and her behavior when she's, when she's dating them or interacting with them. Uh, and the either, you know, emasculation or her, uh, her obsession with their handicap. Um, very creative motifs appear uh, in, these, in this series of short stories. I think my personal favorite might be uh, these two characters, Fatima and Christiana, who are the children of mothers who have their PhDs. I think one's a therapist, one's a university professor. And they're the only two black kids in this school. And of course they don't get along because they're pitted against each other. And their mothers are corresponding with snide letters back and forth that they drop in their daughter's backpacks. And then the mother will pick up, you know, the letter from her daughter's backpack and then leave another letter in her backpack for the other mother to find the next day. And they're going back and forth with this really nasty, biting uh, conversation. And it's so amusing. It's something that I feel like could be on reality television. Um, and at the same time, uh, at some point, they seem to make amends, at least the mothers do, even though the girls are always kind of at odds, and they can't really figure out why. Um, and it reminds me of um, experiences that I've had uh, where you are the only person, and so your identity is, is then wrapped up in being this token person, and that there's no room for anybody else to come in and take your place, or it's seen as a competition, as opposed to being seen as an ally and someone who can understand and know what you are going through. It's just so fascinating how demented humans can be uh, in social situations that we, we seem to cut out the people with whom we ought to be able to connect. And I guess counter to that, it's why does the color of skin um, of someone automatically um, inform this assumption that we're supposed to connect with you just because you're the same tone as me? And, and why do we put that weight on relationships so that if we, we don't connect, then there's something wrong? Um, I think the last thought about this uh, book that struck me was uh, the story, a couple of stories about police brutality and the idea of looking at it from the perspective of the victim before they are killed, how they go about their life 
completely normally and they have interests that are varied and maybe interests that uh, the majority wouldn't expect for them to have. And yet, when they are uh, murdered by the police, how they are chosen, how the media chooses to, to lift them up and commemorate them is by finding the most stereotypical behavior or photo um, or skeleton in the closet instead of uh, showing them in their full humanity. It's, oh, let's find a, a picture of him looking really gangsta, whatever that means. Or let's see if we can find that he smoked marijuana or he had a child out of wedlock and he was in trouble because he hadn't paid his child support. Instead of, you know, this guy likes manga and he also bakes bread and is a vegan. Like, you'll never hear that. You'll never see the photo of a young man, you know, dressed neatly with some friends with a haircut, uh, you'll see the photo of the kid with his pants being saggy, even though it's just a Halloween costume, and there's no context. And so, it, and I've always said that I found it really infuriating when these men die. Of course, there are women who are also victims of police brutality, but that they are given less care than a white man who murders indiscriminately, whether it's shooting up a school or a church or a movie theater. And he'll be framed as someone who was kind and no one didn't, no one expected this to happen. And he was just a quiet kid who minded his own business or he was troubled and, and bullied. And he's a perpetrator of violence. And then the victim of police brutality will be framed as someone who had it coming. And uh, I don't know what we do about this. I don't know if it's the implicit biases that we need to address and, and check. Um, but, you know, it, these are thoughts about our knee-jerk reactions um, to each other that need to be investigated. This is a very quick read. Uh, it's really fun, very thoughtful, very timely, and I highly recommend it. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back with a few things that I recommend. Hang in. Okay, I'm back. Um, so this playlist was lots of fun to make. In general, I think I say that every week because I just love making the playlist. I think I kept it pretty short, no more than 45 minutes. And um, there's the themes of the stories are kind of how I tried to to shape the playlist, so hopefully you will read the book and listen to the playlist, or listen to the playlist first, be intrigued, and then read the book. Um, as for things that I am enjoying this week, um, I would say I have been listening to Georgia Smith's new album, which I highly recommend. Uh, I think the album's called Lost and Found. She's British. I'm an Anglophile, as you know. And she also um, was, I think, uh, accompanied um, someone on the Black Panther soundtrack, which I've been listening to on repeat since it came out, which was even before the movie came out. The album is great if you haven't heard it. Kendrick Lamar curated the entire thing, and it's, it's epic in every way. Uh, so if you like kind of soulful music with really strong vocals, Georgia Smith is where it's at. 
So I hope you all have a great week and stay cool for those of you that are dealing with super hot weather like us Austinites. Until next time. The Petite Polly Math is a podcast from the mind of Gritstone. There's a very good chance that this exit has been repeated twice. I'm not particularly sure, so have some mercy. Sorry.